Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. Today we have another entry into our Raw Real Monsters series, and we're going to be talking about Vampire Lords with none other than Matthew Lillard, because Halloween is right around the corner, as well as a couple releases of Curse of Strahd. Re-releases. Before that, though, we have an iTunes review. And this one comes from Zuh Marcus. Five stars. The only podcast to capture my mind. I've only been playing Dungeons and Dragons for about two years now, but my older brother, dad, aunts, and uncles played Advanced in 3.5. I forgot how I stumbled upon this podcast, but these fellow DMs have helped me with every topic I could think of, from Session Zero to Wendigos, and they deliver these ideas and information in such an entertaining and family-friendly way. Driving is part of my night job and often driving hours at a time to see my partner or family. I take comfort in knowing that, that popping on an episode will keep me entertained during the whole ride. Keep it up, guys. Long live the writers of Shemesh. P.S. Where's the story time? They gave me as many ideas as the meat segment did. Well, thank you, Zamarcus, for that awesome review. And to quickly answer your questions, at some point, we separated story time out into its own episodes inside of the feed, then to help kind of curate the feed, if you will, into only amazing DMB content. We moved those over to our Patreon, where we kept talking about our new campaigns. Rather than talk about anything else, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today on The Meat, we have a very special guest, Matthew Lillard, one of the amazing minds behind Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. And honestly, if you don't know him from other things, shame on you. Just shame all over you. Um, the voice of Shaggy for 20 <laughs> shame, years. Shame all over you. Yeah. Sounds so creepy. Well, <laughs> shame all over you. It just sounds yes. like it's... Perfect. So, Matthew, thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Yeah, I'm happy to um, I'm happy to spend my morning with you, Chris and Neil. Um, what a glorious day. And by the way, did you say one of the genius minds? <laughs> of course. You said one of, of the genius minds. I, I said am, amazing guys. minds. Oh, is that mm. what it was? Yes. Uh, both, both platitudes are well received. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited to have you on here. And... We always ask our guests a, a couple of questions because we want to sure. get to know you a little bit. Aquarius. Some people might not know you. Next yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, so, t- well, and tell us a little bit about yourself is the first question. Uh, <laughs> so Aquarius, we got that. I'm an Aquarius. I like long walks <laughs> on the beach. My wife and I just had our 20th wedding anniversary yesterday. And Dude, I celebrated congrats. by playing in a live stream with Dwarvenforge. So there, there's my. There you go. There's where my priorities are in this world. Yeah, what else can I tell you? I have three kids. I'm watching my kid make breakfast right now. I've got another two kids in school. And, you know, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. So we're just trying to survive. <laughs> the one thing that we all have in common right now is we're all trying to live in the midst of a pandemic. And if you have kids that are of school age, we're all trying to figure out what the heck that looks like right now. Yeah, it's no fun. But let's, yeah. let's digress from that because nobody wants to hear us talk about Nobody that wants to talk nonsense. about that. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you tell me about you, Chris, with your Midwestern <laughs> twang? Where are you from? My are you Midwestern from Michigan? twang. Uh, I say "ope" all the time when I just about bump into somebody in ope. a in a oh, supermarket no. or something. Oh, oh yeah. Ope. Oh no. Oh wow. Uh, I don't uh, have the I don't have the use. I don't say the use like a lot of Midwesterners do, like use guys. I don't say that. Guys. I refuse to say that. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about me, Matt. No, we're I want to talk know about, about you. you. Hey, listen, we're going tit for tat here. If you're going to ask me a question, I'm asking you a question. I where have, are you from, Neil? A... Neil, where are you from? Uh, so I'm in Central California. Oh, how hot is it there right now? Awful. Um, and then all of the fires, all of the smoke goes to where I am. And so we, on the index, we were at 261 for a while. Uh, oh. So just bad. Don't know what that index is, but that sounds like a very large number. Like yes. I would not want to do 261 push-ups. No, for example. Correct. And it, it going outside, it would feel like you were doing 261. It feels like your lungs yeah. are doing 261 push-ups. Goodness. Yeah. And Chris, are you in Michigan now? No, I'm in Illinois now, just outside okay. of Chicago. Okay. Yep. So. Yeah, and how do you guys know each other? 
So crazy story. So Mitch, the other host of the DMs block and I were like best friends in college and we started this podcast. What college did you go to? We went to, oh gosh, what's it called now? Grace Christian University in a small little suburb of Grand Rapids. I think we had like 120 kids all together at the school. It was tiny, 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 tiny. That's not a college. That's a, that's a room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my, my favorite story of the school is like, I, I made the mistake of dating someone in the first year or first semester of my being there. And I wasn't allowed to date anybody the rest of the time that I was there. Because everybody hated me. Because there's only 17 other women there. (laughs) I know, I know, and they all know each other. It's great. Yes. Yeah. So, so we met. That's your favorite story. We got to work on your. No, 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 no. No. So Mitch and I, (laughs) Mitch and I met each other. College stories. Mitch and I met each other there. We really fell in love with D and D. I introduced him to D and D. He thought it was going to be a joke, and then absolutely fell in love with it. And now we run a podcast for the DMs block. And Neil got on board with that. Uh, Neil, you want to tell your side of the story for how you got involved with us? You were just a listener to begin with. Yeah. So I had just listened and engaged really well on the forums and interacted. And one of the things I would always say, and I don't think I say it enough on this podcast is what you love. You need to actively participate in because too often everyone's just like, I don't like it. And I'm going to shout about how much I don't like it. And a lot of people that really deeply enjoy something don't take that time to communicate that. Um, so I did. And I reached out and I was like, well, is there anything I could do to help you? And they're like, edit, because that's the worst part of this whole situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I did. And then here we are. Um, and Neil started the- I love that. Yeah. And I Neil started that. like a DMs Nastics thing where it helps DMs. Like we talk about like kind of the big ethereal stuff here. And Neil was like, well, let's make it a bit more practical and gave like, had the guests back on and would talk about like, how can we make these things a bit more practical, lifting the mental weights, you know, to help them uh, oh, that's great. help Dude, that's make awesome. things. So it's, it's, a, it's almost a two-part thing uh, now. So that's how that's Neil good. And I, I will say yeah. that. So Beetle and Grimm's uh, is a company we started three years ago. And if you don't know, if you're listening to the pod and you don't know, so we're, organiz- we're a company that creates high-end D&D boxed editions of, of Dungeons and Dragons assets. So... Um, so we just released a Curse of Strahd box that is uh, shipping in November or October. Um, we do these platinum editions. They're highly curated. They're, we sell them for $500. We only make a 1,000 of them. But basically our idea is that whatever you need to have an incredible game experience, we try to include in one box. Sorry, as you hear kids walking through, that those are, that's just the way it is right now. Yeah. Yep. But we have three people that work for us, and all three of them came to us via that same approach, which is, we love the game, we love what you're doing, how can I help? I mean, Justice and Michaela are both like, both reached out and were like, just didn't let go and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and now have like impacted our company in such amazing ways. And same with Jason, you know, all three of the people that, that we now employ, quote unquote, came through us because of a passion and love for the game and love what we were doing and and just were like, yes, we want in. And um, it's amazing what that kind of passion and drive will mean to somebody when, yeah. um, you know, when, when hiring. Yeah, if you had the passion even before you had the job and now the job is your passion, like that's... Yeah, that's I mean, the that, best that, way to live a life. I mean, totally, look, I'm a professional totally. actor. I mean, at 14 years old, I was like, I like this acting thing. <laughs> and I'm 50 and I'm still doing it. So I believe that the only way to find success and joy in life is to do what you love. Yeah. And if you don't love being an accountant, then don't be an accountant. That's somebody else who does do that. <laughs> I, I, I would not survive in that world, bro. No, that that exactly. would be awful. No, I, be awful. But for some people, that is their thing. That's, their that's thing. their jam. Uh, so tell us, so you kind of mentioned Beetle, Beetle and Graham a little bit. You, you mentioned that you're a professional actor since the time you were 14. Can you tell us? Uh, anything that you're working on, and the, the caveat that we always have is that you can talk about right now that we can get excited. Yeah, about. of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to be clear, I was not a professional actor at 14. I started. <laughs> I started acting at 14. Sure. Um, yes. I was a professional for a long time after that. So I, it was not like I was this kid running around trying to get a job in Hollywood. Right. Right. So I um, I'm working on a show now called Good Girls on NBC. So I've yes. seen Hendrix's husband on uh, that show. Uh, you can catch it on Netflix now. And we're, we're on Hulu most of the time. Um, and I think we're on NBC's app. 
now, but the, is it Peacock? Yeah. Is that what it? Yep, yeah, I think it is. so. But yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen that yet. But we, um, yeah, so I've been doing that for three seasons, and we got shut down in the middle of a pandemic, so we can go back in October and finish up last season, which is season three, and go right into season four. And it's a great job. I love my job. It's it, I've I've never had. It's interesting as an actor, you're always transient, right? You're going from one family to another. You're going from one job to another, and a lot of times you're waiting six months a year in between. Like that's just how it is. And the more successful you get, the less you work. Well, I should say the more successful I get, the less I work. <laughs> I'm sure that George Clooney works plenty. The more he gets famous, the more famous I got, the less opportunities I got. I think people were like, "Oh, we don't need that anymore." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the world is like, "We're good. We saw it." Yeah, yeah. Um, but this show is great because I've been on now for uh, this. We're going to our fourth season, so it's a stable paycheck, um, a steady paycheck, and I love the people I work with, and I get to do great stuff on the show and. I get to lift three incredible women who are the leads of the show and, and sort of play their, um, their you know, number two. And it's been really awesome. Yeah, yeah. that is a fantastic show. When well, Basically, thanks. because whatever you're expecting is about to happen, probably something else is about to happen. Yeah, so, it's really, yeah. they're really smart. I mean, yeah. it's, it's written by Jenna Banz, our showrunner. She's an incredibly bright woman, powerful. I mean, she, she writes great stories for women. You know, and I think that it is a mirror for a lot of what a lot of people are going through in their lives. I mean, Beth, who's the, the sort of center of the story, is played by Christina Hendricks, who's lost in her life, is out of love with her husband. They're in a situation that's not great. Her kids are spiraling out of control. They're financially broke. And, you know, and, and the situation calls for she turns to a life of crime. And what you think is going to be a one-off ends up getting sucked into the spiral of of nefarious actions and it's great and, and, and hilarity ensues. And so the same thing with May's character and same thing with Red's character, all three of these women have a reason to, to turn to some larceny and um, it's fun and it's different and it's, you know, it's a breaking bad for NBC. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize that you were a part of that show. Yeah. Um, and so like my wife and I, we just finished, um, we just finished Hannah yesterday on Amazon Prime. Oh, was we it good? Thinking like, it was, it's fantastic. Oh, good. If you so haven't, we're if looking you for something. It, it's, it's really yeah. good. Okay. Um, and anyway, so we, we saw an ad, I think it was, we switched over to Hulu afterwards and saw an ad for good girls. And we were like, all right, that's our show. We're, we're starting at the next one. So there I'm excited go. to start it. It's fun. I will say, I will say season one, we're, tr they tr we try to figure it out. I mean, I think season one is a little, um, funky around the edges. Season two is great. And season three has been incredible. It kind of feels yeah, that way for a lot of shows sometimes. For yeah, like, well, first seasons are always out. a little bit like you're figuring yeah. it out. All yeah, the actors are brand new to their characters too. Like you can only do so much prep work until you're yeah. actually on set. And, and you're figuring out tone and you're figuring out, especially with totally. comedy, you're like, what, where are we, we going to live? Are we going to live yeah. big? Are we going to live, you know, And if the people have never worked together on a set yeah. before, you're trying to figure out your well, personalities and comfortability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah well, totally. the, the set part, I think, always takes care of itself. I mean, especially with a, a cast like that because you, we've all been working for a long time so you jump on that that part's easy it's trying okay. to figure out the tone in my opinion it's trying sure. to figure out the tone of the show the comedy of the show and sort of playing to people's strengths and, and i think of the writing side and the creative side's a little and look we went through a bunch of dps and you just you you find your way and in success it comes out great on the other side that's awesome well uh matthew the the do you prefer Matt or Matthew? What would you, what oh, would you, you like me to call you? Whatever, whatever you so desire. All right. We'll call you Lillard then. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, no, so yeah, we no, always... That's what most people call me. <laughs> no, oh, sweet. Like, okay. Matthew. Well, like, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, there are more than one Matthews just running around at any given moment. There might be more <laughs> than one true. in your house. That's I true. don't know. So right. shouting yeah. Lillard helps out. Well, so we always do a surprise question for our guests. We don't prepare them in any way, shape, or form because we like we Aquarius! like to get right. We like to <laughs> we like to get your candid reaction to the question. Okay. Uh, so Neil Neil has that question for you. So Neil, ask him. Um, I'm excited to hear what it is. What do I wear in my beard? If you, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't see Neil at home, I can, and his beard is so fierce, it's so dwarven in nature. I just want you to wake up and listen to Anthrax like all morning. I just lean over and just hit Spotify when I wake up. I don't <laughs> hit snooze. It's your, it's your alarm clock. It's you your alarm shred, bro. Yeah. Okay, what's up, oh bearded one? Oh uh, well, I mean, if it makes you feel better, I have been playing drums for like twenty five years. So, oh, well, you have to see. I directed a movie called Fat Kid Rules the World. You have to find it. Okay, 
Done. So about it'll be a teenager that finds punk rock music and becomes a uh, a drummer. Okay. Now I have to watch it. And yeah. on on yeah. that note, while I distract you with this question so that I can go look that up, if you were a vampire lord, where would you hide your coffin? Um, I would hide my where are my options like anywhere? Yeah. I'd play you know, I, I know exactly where I'd be. I'd be at in the, the basement, the cellar of an old theater, like an old English theater um in like London. Do you know what I mean, Master? No you go gentles. I am the I am the undead, the walking vampire of Fleet Street. That gives Phantom of the Opera a whole new twist to it. That's what I'm talking about, Phantom of the Opera was a vampire. By the way, all my entire family's in this room watching me talk to you guys. Look at me like, you are embarrassing our entire family. Dude, it was the best part about Zoom D&D was like my wife and my daughter would just look at me like, bro, what are you doing right now? Because it's so different because they can only hear me. Yes, that's the best part. So... I also just envisioned you as this like low key ticket taker as well. Like that's your job. So that oh, yeah, they don't yeah. know. Like, that's good. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the theater. Please turn your phones to silent. Please turn your phones to silent. Welcome to the theater. Depending on what type of vampire you are, that might be the best cover to find new victims. Oh, as yeah. the Yeah. As the booth. The booth. But it's not. But by the way, the low key ticket taker is not sexy Lestat. No. And it, if you're going to be. The undead for all eternity. You, like you don't want to be the fat vampire <laughs> who's like ugly and taking tickets. That's not gonna work. Can we change the vampire I am? Okay, yes. You, you well, unless like, you can shape shift. Maybe you shape shift into the fat, ugly ticket taker to disguise yourself. Okay, I'd be down with that. All right, as long as I can, as long as I can have great abs at some point in my eternal rest. <laughs> Done. So as you can imagine, we are going to be talking about vampire lords. I always love the way that I write the outline because I say the one thing that we want to talk about initially is the history of vampire lords. And I put in the real world, in in tabletop role-playing games, or our own history with them. And one of the reasons we had you on is because word on the street is that you ran Curse of Strahd to get a better feel for making the new legendary box from Beetle and Grimm. Yeah. Out now. Go online. No. So. No. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Keep going, Neil. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying that- You're doing you... such a great job reading the intro. Keep reading. <laughs> okay, go great. Hold on. Well, I'll just keep reading. I'll just skip through Welcome the Welcome to the Matthew Lillard- No. Um, no. I did. No, we- uh, So we- So Beetle and Grimm's, how it basically works for our company is that somebody takes control of the box and sort of ushers in that box. They, they're the, the master in chief of that box. Uh, the first box we did was Waterdeep box, so I took control of that box, so I produced that box, and then it, it, it came around to me again. And so when Strahd was announced last year at the licensee meeting for Watsi, we loved the idea of producing a box for Strahd. First of all, any convention we're at, anywhere we go, anytime we meet a fan, they're inevitably like, first of all, do you have any more platinum boxes? <laughs> Second of all, when are you going to do Curse of Strahd box? And so mm-hmm. when Watsi said they were re-releasing um, the book, it was a great opportunity for us to sort of open up past adventures that they've done and create what we we're calling a legendary edition. So we had never, as a group, you know, the, the, our company started with four of us went to acting school in New York when we were 21 and started playing D&D together. And we still play together today. We're all 15. Oh, that's awesome. And we're in the middle of a midlife crisis. And in the middle of that midlife crisis, we started a D&D company. That's basically how the company started. There's five of us. And we were like, there's got to be more to life. And so we started this company. And in our playing, we never played Strahd. I mean, we just, as a, you know, the five of us, we just never got around to that adventure. And so when it was re-released, and I never DM'd. So I always play and I never DM'd. And so for that, because I was going to lead the box, I suggested, well, why don't I DM it until we have to like go, go, go. And so I got us through, I think, six level. I got the guys through six level and I got to DM for the first time, which was awesome. And now I DM my kids who are sitting here listening to me talk and I DM a group of showrunners, Hollywood showrunners in the game now. So I've actually DM'd it three times and I'm, I'm sort of... Um, I've never gotten, I have, I've yet to get past six level, but that's, that's where I'm at. 
Um, and it was great. Look, it's an opportunity for us to, to build, like normally what happens is Watsi will announce the adventure, will deliver art in um, November, and then give us like the first draft in February, and we have to deliver a box in October. So from February to October, you're, there's no time to play. Like right. you're tearing it apart, you're building battle maps, you're getting art commissioned, you're getting things in China made, you're creating like badges, you're, you know, we try to go to the next level. Every box we try to make something original and different, which means that we're trying to figure out some other creative method to deliver something in the box. But basically what that means is like from February to October, you're in all production and so you have no chance to play new releases. And so when Stride came out, we had a chance to play it and we had a chance to sort of from the inside out build the box around what we found we needed when 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 doing Stride. Does that make sense? I just talked a long time. I don't know. No, it makes well sense. it makes perfect sense because you have more experience. I mean, in Strahd, looking back at the history of Strahd and Castle Ravenloft and it was not made yesterday. That's some second edition joy right there from the Hickmans yeah. and being able to look back at what people found important about Strahd, I think would make it a little bit easier for you as a company because some of the other things are just like, like you said, I'm literally getting a first draft and having to kind of assume what people will find most interesting and most beneficial right. for it. Whereas Strahd, yeah, you're just like, well, first off Strahd um, and then going from there. Yeah, and, and and look, there are definitely resources like, you know, somebody put in like travel times between, because the reality is that land of Barovia is relatively small um, and the travel times are much shorter than you think. Like each hex is a quarter mile. And so all of a sudden you're like, wait a sec, from the windmill to Velaki is like 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you think it's like a three day journey and like you're going to add all these wandering monsters and you're like, oh no, it's pretty fast. So we, so we did take some elements, you know, what is it? Flattery or, or um, imitation. Toppings, the, imitation, that's the word. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. So we did take a couple people's ideas and invest in them in the box for sure. But yeah, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a great process, a great learning process. And we announced the box. You know, one of our fears was that people said they wanted Strahd. People said that they would, you know, would, that they would buy it if it came out. And the one thing we were worried about is that a vocal minority. Like, do people really want to go back and buy a legendary edition of an uh, adventure that's been out twice now? I mean, second edition, the fifth edition, and now you're going to do a third edition. You know, they're going to do a third version of it with 5e are we really going to build a box and will people really care and the it's been a resounding yes they do we our sales for Strahd have been crazy so since you've played to sixth level several times have you introduced straw or how have you introduced if you have Strahd into like those games and that the interaction with the players we have so um well my kids are in the room so they they have to sort of like either Stop listening or go. This away. is a great lesson on metagaming. What yeah, you hear, meta- make sure you don't. I'm reading this book. You're reading a book as I talk about Strahd. So you can go in and Oh, oh, no, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. out. Goodbye. There Bye. we go. Shoo shoo. Shoo shoo. Yeah, I'm going to now go in the other room because now, because that's how this house works. <laughs> yeah. I've just been kicked out. Yeah. Wow. What, I've, what I've learned about parenting is parents don't really run the house anymore oh, after a while. Nothing. <laughs> we like nonsense. to we like to grasp at things and pretend. So yeah. So we. Um, so I did introduce Strahd them all three times in the very same way, which is we um, as they're entering the land Barovia that they encounter. You know, there's there's uh, there's like a little offshoot where you find the body, and all of a sudden there's a wolf pack that can attack. So what I keep doing is I keep issuing challenges to the players to, to the, I, I make it, a, a, this is dumb, I think, but this is, this is my concept. But the idea of like, there's a child who goes running off into the woods, who's looking at this dead body, goes running off into the woods, and invariably the players chase the, the child to try to help the child. And then when lured into a trap, into like, they're surrounded at the bottom of this sort of ravine, the child turns and transforms into a werewolf. And in that moment, a pack, a huge pack of wolves 
gather around the edge and led by this one major wolf, which is Strahd in wolf form. And so each time I've introduced them, I've taken the, the players down to very low hit. I mean, they're all coming in at, at zero level, right? First level. So yeah, one hit from a werewolf will kill him, you know? I mean, it's super, yeah. Yeah, and there's like this junior, there's a, 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 a young werewolf that fights the, the group and ends up about to lose. And then that's when this major wolf slowly walks down the hill. And they're surrounded, you know, there's, like, there's, 50, there's 50 wolves on top of this ravine and this werewolf, you know, this massive wolf walks down in the middle of them and grabs the pup and like turns its back and walks off. And so the introduction is like, they, they have a choice, right? They can either do something stupid or they can wait to see what happens. And, you know, we had my kids, like one of the kids playing tried to attack the major werewolf and the other kid like stopped him because that's instant death. And it's good. It, it, I don't know. For me, it, it was a way to um, introduce the idea, the dynamic that the, you have, you are not powerful enough yet to defeat, you know, the, the namesake of the adventure and that there's patience involved and that, you know, that the, the duration's long. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about Strahd is that, you, you sort of like, as you're going through, you're building towards an accomplishment at the end, um, which is different than most adventures, right? You're like, you're trying to figure out what the end is, but you, in this, you know very early on that you have to get out of this, the land of Barovia and that there's this iconic bad guy that you have to take down. Yeah, that, that sort of approach is always fun to me. That, I, I had never done that before and this, this campaign that we're playing and now I just introduced to the players the big bad lich that they're trying to beat at the end right and that, like they nearly got killed by it right because they were just like oh we can they're all new players and they were like we can just walk in and do whatever we want we've proven that we can do that already at this point and then it's like oh the world's actually really big and really bad yeah. and really powerful you know and it's like that thing that like if you're if you're trying to you know especially in curse of Strahd, you're trying to set this overlying tension and i feel like with yes. vampire lords in general like you're trying to set this overlying tension this world is dangerous Anything could happen to me at any point in time. That first encounter happening right away sets the tone for the sort of horror drama feeling that you're trying to go for right away of like, I'm not in control here, but I have to try and figure out how the heck I can move right. and navigate without becoming too conspicuous uh, for them to notice me again until we're ready to actually do something about it. You know, I mean, look, I, I think that that to me. Look, I play a lot of games now because part of my job is, well, first of all, I've become in time over time an ambassador of the game. So I've been playing a lot because I'm famous, quote unquote. Um, and, and I think that people like me in games and like, there's a lot of reasons why I'm being invited to play. I'm also as part of my job as, as you know, in Beetle and Grimm's, like our, we're trying to expand brand. We're trying to get people to understand who we are, what we do and what we make. And so I've been playing a lot of games. And I do find that, one of the things I hate, not one of the things I hate, the one of the things, the way we play games, right? And you get attached to the way you play a game. But the way we play a game is that the stakes are really high. Like you have to, there has to be, there has to be blood in the water. Like you have to know that if you die, you're not coming back. Like, right? Like if, and, and what a lot of times what happens in streaming games, because you're playing a character, you only play once and people are there to have fun and, and engage in, so my dogs are about to go crazy. Like, hold this thought. Hold this thought. You may have to edit. <laughs> Which is really funny because I just heard mine going off in the background too. Yeah, yeah and well, I'm not at home. I'm I'm up at work, and I have people coming in and out of my office where I'm just like, ah, that's funny. Um, I'm now going to switch rooms again. But look, but you you end up playing these one-off games where people don't take it seriously, and the game to me is not fun if people aren't invested in life or death. Right. And like people doing silly things in the name of just being silly or funny at the end of the day, end up ruining the game. I mean, it kind of ends up ruining the game. Like you to be, I love humor in a game. I always try to bring humor in a game, but you have to bring it. I think with an eye for it, it has to come out of the moment, right? It has to, it has to be in the moment. And one of the, the examples I use for that, do you ever see aliens with Bill Paxton? It's me opening my blinds, by the way. 
I now retreated to my own bedroom. So aliens with Bill Paxton, he's like running for his life. Like, oh my God, who put her in charge? We're not going to make it. And you're laughing your butt off because he's hilarious. Yeah. Because he's trying to live. Right. You know, and I think that if you're playing a game and if your character doesn't, if you don't understand that there are real stakes for your character, then it's, it's just not, then it's just like you're making up a story and anything can happen and anything can survive. Yeah. If there's not consequences for actions like that, that. It, it takes away a certain element of realism to the actual campaign and everything's like, oh, just do whatever the heck you want and you won't have to worry about it, you know? And that, I mean, for me, like that's that's always the hard part of, uh, it's the hard part and it's the beautiful part of introducing people that are completely new to the game. Uh, it, it They always have this mindset of like, I watch people that do really dumb things and really funny things and like, I'm just here to hit things and kill things. And then that first moment where they come up with life or death, couple sessions in where they're actually attached to characters it's like oh i gotta be careful because this character that i'm yes. more attached to yeah, could yeah. actually die and i really like this barbarian that i'm playing who might be a little bit aloof or a little bit reckless but you know yeah he might get a little bit smarter well no i think that's why your introduction of strahd is perfect and if anything if you could find a player that was willing to be the player to attack like i would be super on board with that idea to further establish that level of separation of, okay, so I've shown up. I, as this vampire lord, care so little about you that I've picked up my lackey. I've walked off. You tried to attack me. I killed one of you, and I still turned around and walked off. And because you are, that separation in my mind of power is so distant that that starts you on this quest to gain the knowledge and power to finally defeat Strahd. Yeah, I, like I, I think that that's, it's just good storytelling, right? If you, it's a great introduction, like great movies, great stories, introduce the bad guy in a way that's unforgettable. And so, yeah, so that's the way I, I've introduced Strahd the three times, some, some version of that. That's good. I like that. So what are some other ways that we think we could introduce a vampire lords and just add them to the game? I think the other thing that I really like is that level of, not necessarily decadence, but that's part of it. Like, because a vampire is can be just this monstrous thing that is a bag of hit points. Like, if you want to approach it that way, but a vampire lord, I think, can't be. Like, if you're really introducing that next level, you need to like really ingrain it into your story so that it is something more. Um, just dropping it in front of a player, like, I feel like you've wasted the fun, like that fun element, because like it's somebody that's lived for hundreds of years. Like they just, they just want to keep for the most part, they just want to keep living. So yeah, other ways that we could add vampire Lords to the game. Well, I mean, it's, that's a great question. Like I think that it depends on the kind of game you play, right? I mean, you can add a bag of, of hit points and a meat shield and like, just go after, that sort of vampire spawn and you get fight your way to the, the, the big baddie. But I just think that look at the end of the day, great games, in my opinion, great games are great stories, right? I mean, that's the thing that you sit around the table for. I mean, I think that that's the reason that D and D is having this unparalleled resurrection is because, you know, we've lived in the, the viral digital age now for a while. And we're learning that from Twitter, from Facebook, from these social interactions that you have online it actually is an empty transaction, right? If we tweet at each other, if I like your Facebook, yes, uh, I'm acknowledging you, but there's no engagement. And there's something about sitting around a fire and telling stories that's as old as man itself. And so the idea of sitting around a table, sorry, as I pontificate for two seconds, but as you <laughs> sit around a table and tell a story, like the rolling of the dice is actually the least interesting part of a game. The idea of like, I'm going to take my broadsword and attack plus nine, take 12 damage, whatever. It, it's boring. It's so boring. that The yeah. only great thing that comes out of Dungeons and Dragons is storytelling and like acts of heroism. Right, so the idea of like doing something cool in combat, like very early on when we started playing together as a group at 21, our DM was like, would reward epic moves. Like he would, not this before inspiration, but he would like right. do like, he would take your, like John, I wanna do this. I'm gonna cast grease down the stairs and as they fall, I'm gonna light a fire at the bottom. And he would yes and that every single time. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, yes. And when that happened, like 
And, and so within that, you're looking for opportunities. Like I love playing a spellcaster because anytime I can cast a grease or darkness or silence or you know, insects or heat metal, I mean, heat metal is like one of my favorite spells ever because all of a sudden now you've got a guy stripping in the middle of the battle mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, this is smart. And it's not right? the bard. This is smart. Just- <laughs> The bard will and probably do yeah. that on his own. <laughs> <laughs> bards, bards are the bards. Are, I used to think bards were the worst. And I started. We have a bard in my in my Strahd campaign, and he's awesome. He's so cool. He's such a cool yeah. character. Um, but look, I, I think at the end of the day, when 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 going back, your your goal is to is to tell great stories. And so, anytime you're introducing a character like a vampire lord, like you have to tell the story. I mean, you have to build the, the legend. You have to build the, there's so much like we, cause we know because they're so iconic in movies and there's, and, and, and vampires in general are such like a, a staple of cinema and like our artistic intelligence that we understand what goes along with them. So to, to not play into that at all would be a, would, would, would just be a waste. It's just a waste. It's a waste of opportunity to engage in story. And look, and I think you can yeah. go against it. Like, there's no reason we're talking about being the the lithe, beautiful vampire. But you can also be that overweight, dumpy vampire. You can be whatever you want as a vampire. You can introduce them, but you just have to introduce the story around them and invest in that story. I think. Yeah. Let's. Well, I, I, you know, as you were talking, I was like, I think the I think the way you introduce the vampire has to intru- has to be in line with the type of story you want to play. So if you want to do a a horror drama, you know, the way that we talked about the way you've introduced Strahd, where it's like, hey, I'm dumping, dumping Strahd right on you right away. Like, that's going to make people very scared for the rest of the campaign. Like, what if he comes back? What if I do something that's going to grab his attention again? Or if you want to have a sort of mystery campaign where they have to put all the pieces together, you walk into a city and it's this, this Lord keeps getting its name dropped, you know, for whatever reason, for... Like something will happen and you never actually meet this character, this this overlord character. But, you know, like everybody has a saying, like all praise this, you know, all praise our Lord or, or whatever it is. Or they have to somebody comes around and they have to pay taxes to this this Lord because this is how this Lord keeps getting. You know, if you want a mystery, you're connecting all of these dots and you're just name dropping this vampire every once in a while. And it's like people from the outside are like, this stuff doesn't make sense. Like and then you learn that a lot of these people are mind controlled by this vampire right and that's an element of the mystery that you start to figure out because you somebody gets hurt and you cast restoration on this character and then they're broken from that vampire spell right like that could be a way where it's like okay there's these weird things going on in this city now and it has to connect back to this overlord and now we're just trying to connect more of these pieces you know you could you could say like all of a sudden this army enters into this village that you've grown up in and it's it's being led by this militaristic overlord vampire and that's the way and now it becomes a military campaign your characters sign up to be a part of the military and it's you're you're moving all around trying to do these covert things behind enemy lines to to destroy this overlord vampire's plans of conquest of this country or this world or whatever it is like so that the type of story that you want to tell i think has to match the way you introduce the overlord uh, or the vampire lord and there's really no shortage of ways to do that you know like whatever type of story you want to whatever type of story you want to tell there are numbers of ways inside all of that that you can do it yeah and it could be like it could be a female like uh, the idea that it's always this light sort of lestat stereotype totally yeah that i would always i mean we should be breaking that i mean totally you know there's no reason why it can't be a woman. There's no reason why it couldn't be, you know, a man who's been bit at like 75. I mean, it could be a child. I mean, one of my, my favorite movie is, um, Twilight, uh, right? Let the right one, no Twilight, Twilight (laughs) one, two. I love them all. Edward go Edward, but let the right one in is one of my favorite movies ever. And, uh, it's an incredible movie about a little girl who's a vampire and the power she has. And, you know, it's, it's like this beautiful, beautiful film. So look, and, and, and there's no shortage of ways to introduce it. There's no wrong way to do it. I mean, that's the great, I mean, Chris Perkins says it, everyone at D&D says it, that there's no wrong way to play this game. And, yeah. you know, the more sort of time you take crafting that story, the better that game is going to be because you have more to rely on, right? The more you understand 
you may not know exactly what's going to happen next, but the more you understand the world you play in, the better toolbox you have to create story. Um, you know, and I sit down at a table, I'm like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm not going to have it today. And you start playing and all of a sudden the things that come out of you are like, I have no idea where that came from. You know, I think about the, you know, you were talking about this little girl uh, and let the right one in. And I was just thinking about like, you know, the other thing that we can work on too is like the vampire Lord doesn't always have to be bad either. Like it could be, it could be this vampire Lord hears of this, this player or this player group who does these extraordinary things. And this, this is a curse upon him that, or, or her that he, that they want to get rid of. And so they confide in this, in this party where it's like, only this party can go that this vampire Lord can't go to this land where the cure, the cure is or whatever, right. can't enter into where this curse is. And then that's a whole different type of story that you're telling, you know? Or yeah. Or what it, what it, yeah. Or what if you're like, because you are al- you're aligned with the same agenda of the, you know, this undead Lord has that you actually have to work in conjunction with this evil creature. Mm. Yeah. It's horrible creature. And is not hiding the fact that it's a horrible creature and you have to like suck it up. And all of a sudden your paladin is now working next to the vampire Lord to kill the evil witch. I mean, it's like, well, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. Those sorts of situations where the enemy of my enemy is my friend, like just makes for such good character development because like, I mean, that's one of the hardest things I think with, with any character or with any players is like, my character is lawful good and they will always be lawful good, you know, but when you put them in situations where it's like, okay, now, now I have to deal with some moral dilemmas that like, I sure didn't think that my character would ever have to deal with. Like that's where the true character yeah. development happens, right? Like that's where the, that's where the nitty gritty story happens. Yeah. And, and I think frankly, like that's where, that's where some of our own personal development happens too. When we have to wrestle with some of those things in a game that our life situations maybe we've never had to deal with some of that stuff before. And it helps us look differently at situations within our own life too. I was going to say also, if you as a vampire Lord, don't use the term suck it up like Matt did, then you're just, you're failing. <laughs> you're failing miserably. That feels like the ultimate, uh, ultimate punny sort of catchphrase that a, that a, a vampire overlord would use. Just suck it up. I mean, can you imagine count Dracula or, uh, <laughs> The one from what's what's the one from uh, Sesame Street? The what's the, the vampire in Sesame? The Count. Could you imagine the Count saying "suck it up"? <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> it's uh, we we're talking about moral decisions. The um, one of the first games, very early on, I was playing a like probably when I was twenty one. I was playing a paladin. And the DM basically put us in a situation where if we were in a dungeon and if I fed this gnome to, I don't know, was a mind flare? If I fed this gnome, if I, if I killed, basically if I killed, sacrificed this gnome, we'd get out of this dungeon. And I was a paladin. Oh, jeez. And I was like, oh, yeah, geez. done. And so I fed this gnome to like, I want to say like a mind flare or something. <laughs> and we did we got out i mean they let us out and the dm had me had a i had a visit from from my god that night in my dreams it was not good as you and should he as a pal yeah and he was like <laughs> yeah and i didn't really you know i was like whatever he's a knight and he was like no dude you're not a knight you're a holy knight it's very different so i was like yeah. you know it's this learning moment where you're in a moral conundrum and you gotta make that decision that's awesome. So now I keep thinking about that second up joke. But what we do here at the end is we like to give everyone some homework, something to go watch, something to go read that can help us be better at doing vampire lords in our games. Um, so does anyone have some media to consume that we could throw out to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, it's easy, right? We just talked about it. let the right one. in. Yeah. I mean, let the right one in is this Swedish film. Uh, there's a re- American remake that's terrible, but um, is it Dane? I think it's Swedish, but it's a it's an awesome film. It came out in the '90s, I think. Um, but that that would be my recommendation. It's great. And then Christopher Buellman, who's a buddy of mine, um, who's a I, I, between my first and second year at 
um, in acting school, I worked at a Renaissance fair. And in a Ren fair, you live with a bunch of people because that's you're because you're basically traveling gypsies. And I lived with Christopher Buhlman, and he's gone on to be, he's spent his entire life on the Ren Fair circuit. It was both of our first years. Um, and he's gone on to be a, an incredible writer. And um, he's got a book called um, uh, Those Across the River. Oh, gosh. Wait a sec. I got I to gotta get it right. You said Christopher Buhlman? Buhlman. Those Across the River. Yeah, those. Oh, I got it right. Okay, good. And The Lesser Dead. Both of those are are great books, and I think do a lot of. Um, he is an incredible storyteller, and those crossover is like one of my. If I could make a movie right now as a director, I would. Opt, I've been trying to option the book forever, and it's I, it's unobtainable at this point. But uh, it's a werewolf book, and it's so good. It's an incredible read. So those are my two suggestions. Let the right one in, and those across the river. Awesome. I would say uh, Castlevania on Netflix because, like, like you said, subvert that expectation that this vampire lord has to be a man because there is literally a group of female vampire lords that are all very different. One is very young. One is like just super, just beef and ready to crush absolutely anything. And it gives you a lot of different perspectives on just vampires in general um how to add a lot of terrifying demons to your game if that's what you're in for but yeah castlevania is one way to go and the other extreme opposite direction is uh what we do in the shadows um if you haven't seen that where it's basically like an energy vampire just by being really boring boring and frustrating and will suck the energy from you so there's one that i was doing some like I, I just got done reading a whole bunch of pirate history stuff. And now I'm like, as we were talking about this, I'm starting to read a lot more and watch a lot more about like the the lore behind vampires in the world. Right. And uh, so there's a show on the History Channel called The Unexplained. Have you guys heard of it before? <laughs> so it's got Will Shatner as kind of the host of the show. It's put on by the guys that did uh, they. Oh, gosh. What were the show? There were a couple of people that have had other History Channel shows. So they have an episode about vampires and werewolves where they talk about like real life uh, stories of people that kind of built the lore behind the vampires. And so I think it's like I'm looking at right now. Season one, episode 15 of the show Unexplained talks about um, those creatures. Wasn't it Vlad the the Vlad Impaler? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they talk about Dracula and a couple other ones in here. Could kind of spice up a little bit, making it feel a little bit more real world. It might even help you develop the lore in your world of vampires instead of just saying like, "Oop, here's the vampire, you know, lord." Could help you create some of those stories of of how they are a bit more real within the world. So I'm excited to watch it. Haven't watched it yet. If it's terrible, we can edit this out beforehand, Neil. Okay, Blade <laughs> Two, because it is the most D and D version. It was one of the most D and D versions of a movie because they have the entire party. Oh yeah. You have the, the, oh yeah. The giant bald guy with a hammer. I mean, which D D party doesn't have that? And just <laughs> said the just bald the guy idea. with a hammer. <laughs> what? I don't think there's one in this room. Uh how amazing would it have been if I was just like, you're right. <laughs> that would've been, awesome. been been on point. On point. <laughs> um but yeah, so Blade 2 is definitely a really interesting way to both look at vampires used as this horde of terrifying monsters as well as the things that are happening behind it to kind of give you that sense of a vampire lord and their minions. There you go. So I I say we have done it, but the most important question we have is where can people go to find all the stuff that you're doing online, Beetle and Grimm's? Yeah. Um, well, look, I'm Matthew Lillard at, on Twitter and Instagram. The, uh, you know, I'm on, like I said, Good Girls on NBC, so you can watch that. And then most importantly, especially maybe for your listeners, is Beetle and Grimm's, beetleandgrimms.com. You know, we have a ton of t-shirts. We have a bunch of boxes for sale right now. I think it's interesting that our company, the five founders have never taken a single dollar out of the company. We've always put it back in. Um, and we, you know, unfortunately for us, we we put too much in and into our boxes and, we, we don't take much of a margin, but all of our money goes back into the company and we're trying to grow something that's awesome. And um, we just recently announced we're doing, uh, for Pathfinder, um, mm-hmm. we're doing a collection of uh, what we call the Player Chronicles. 
So we're in a relationship now with Paizo, the producers of Pathfinder, and we're creating uh, Character Chronicles, which is a, a journal for your character, the entire life, death, and expanse of all the great heroic acts. Included in that journal is the all of the, um, the IP, the intellectual property, to run that character. So if you're a spellcaster, we have all your spells. We have all the rules governing your character, plus the journal, plus the character kit. Um, oh, that's cool. So yeah, it's super fun. It's awesome. Uh, and we're going to go to Kickstarter next month with that. And that's a big deal for us. So sweet. Um, well, we'll be, yeah. we'll be sure to link that. Um, cause I think Dude, you know, the episode awesome. will come out after that yeah. starts. So we can probably put that in there and have that link for you. That'd be sweet. I think our listeners would love that. Great. For sure. Cool. Well, Matthew, thank you again for coming yeah, on, seriously. spending some time talking about Strahd and all the terrible ways we can kill a player with a vampire. <laughs> right on. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. We just want to thank Matthew again for coming on, spending some time with us, interviewing us for a hot minute, talking about Beetle and Grimm and some of the back, the back end production of that, and of course, talking about vampire lords and how to use them in your games. If you want to get a hold of us and let us know how you're using Strahd or any other vampire lord in your game, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Of course, if you liked what you heard and you want to help the show grow, go to your podcatcher of choice, be it Apple Podcasts or anything else. Leave us a review and we'll hopefully read it on there. You can also follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block or like us on Facebook where you can follow us and watch all the things we're doing. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like DMnastics, Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. But we want to thank you again for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Perfect. That it's practically it's practically the same. Whoa, now I just have a white screen. Oh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Here, I'll how about I'll leave mine on okay. that way we can still it's not as oh, weird. Jesus, I think this is worse. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll turn it off. I'll turn it off. Okay. <laughs> no, get him, get him, get him. Good, good, good. good. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. We'll have that. We'll have turn, the I'm gonna, let's turn it on. I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It does. Somewhere around <laughs> here. Go. Somewhere around here yeah. there's a bunch of Beetle and Grimm stuff too, or in the closet. So we're good. Well, I feel like, you know, is. one of the stereotypes of vampires is that they can't see reflection. So would cameras pick up? Vampires? I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, that's going to be discussed for sure. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Goodbye.